What's going on, guys? This is Zane, and welcome to Zane's Wacky Podcast. Um, go ahead and say hi, Nathan. Hi, Zane. Hi, everyone else. Alrighty, today me and Nathan are going to be discussing a couple of things. Uh, also, we're going to be talking about our experience with C++. Uh, don't go anywhere, guys. Stay tuned. So, uh, how's everything been for you so far, Nathan? How's your day been? Uh, doing really well. I just went running. For yeah, I can, I, <laughs> I can tell, yeah. Um, we actually yeah. do these podcasts through a Zoom chat, so we able to, we're able to record our audio through it, and I'm able to see Nathan through Zoom, so, and... By the looks of it, yeah, Nathan, either you look like you took a shower or you went for an extensive workout. Uh, it was kind of a mix of both, but. Gotcha. So, I'm assuming it was more of the shower than it was a workout. <laughs> actually, it was probably about equal amounts. <laughs> equal amounts? Gotcha. Yeah. Okay, well, exercises, it's always good. I've actually went jogging this morning. Um, and I went jogging last night. I'm trying to just get back into the habit. Um, I haven't been jogging that much recently. Um, and I think the main reason was because when I was at my sister's house a couple of months back, I was actually going to a gym. Um, I was going to Planet Fitness. And then uh, when I moved to my roommates, um, I kind of stopped going to the gym because of the, the distance between uh, the places. So but there is a gym nearby that I want to sign up for um, because when I feel like I'm more motivated when I actually, you know, go for a jog at the gym than just doing it outside. I don't know. That's just, that's my um, little perk over there. Yeah. Uh, the reason I would say it's like half shower, half workout is cause mm -hmm. I don't actually take showers at my house because of the, there's poison in the water in, the, in a lot of places like fluoride and chlorine and all kinds of other stuff. So I, I'm kind of sensitive to it. But what I do is I have a water distiller plugged into my plumbing at my house. And it only has a small little spigot. But I kind of, if I want to wash off at my house, I just use that. And if I want an actual shower, I go to my mom's house where they have a well, mm -hmm. which is right down the street. So... I didn't have an actual shower is sort of why I was saying that. <laughs> Do you, um, cause you mentioned like all the, the fluoride and stuff like that in the water and obviously chlorine. Um, generally that's what all houses have that they have this water that is not 100% water, but it's like mixed with something else in it, a bunch of other chemicals. Um, and then there's Flint, Michigan, which we shouldn't get into <laughs> detail wise, but, um, yeah, I mean, like we think these chemicals like are supposed to be like super helpful for us um but in some cases that's obviously not true and i mean that says a lot when we eventually have to just get water from a well rather than rely on our own system in the house you know 
Well, they really just need to rethink a lot of these things they've built society on. Like, you know, at the very least, they could not add fluoride to people's water, which is what they're doing in a lot of places now. And it's it's like a known neurotoxin and carcinogen. And like Harvard had a study come out recently that proved that if if in places where the children accidentally got extra fluoride, their IQ dropped by like seven <laughs> percent. They they've they've had like a quite a few studies in the last five years about fluoride, and it still just it still goes on. And like I got I got a piece of propaganda in the mail earlier this year. Somebody was saying the best way to protect your teeth is to drink fluoridated water, and they're still going on with that. So, <laughs> so. I look at my my toothpaste and I see like fluorides in the ingredients. So it's like, damn, I don't know how much is in there, but I, I don't even want to like brush my teeth anymore. <laughs> well, supposedly it's not that bad for teeth. Mm-hmm. It's really it's like when you drink it that it's even worse. I mean, I don't know how you could brush your teeth with it and not absorb some amount of it, but supposedly it actually works pretty well if you get dental-grade fluoride on the teeth. That actually works well, but the fluoride in the water isn't even high-quality fluoride. It's like the byproducts of fertilizer and aluminum manufacturing. So it's like they're taking their toxic waste from those industrial processes, and then they sell it to the government, and then government puts it in your water. I did a bit of research on that one. Gotcha. Yeah, I can tell. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, living living over here down in Florida, um, um, I, I usually hear sometimes that we have a clean water system and stuff like that. And in some cases, I agree. Um, but at the same time, you know, you see it all the time with the water, like the bottle of water. Um, they, they have done tests on it, and they've seen that some of the water is a bit contaminated and obviously like i mentioned 100 percent. it like h2o is just it's never 100 percent and especially yeah. in the real world i actually found a water bottle a new brand of water bottle that i actually like just recently at my mom i went to on vacation with my mom and dad last week and they had some at at their lake house and it had a, it was like best choice filtered water or something something real cheap and then i looked on the back because I had ran, I usually bring water with me if I go to places because I'm that much of a stickler about water. Mm-hmm. But on the, on, on the back of the water, it said re, dis, uh, purified by reverse osmosis. And that's also called RO as an acronym. But mm-hmm. reverse osmosis is just about as good as uh, distil- distillation. It gets it very, very pure. Mm-hmm. So as long as they weren't lying about that, which... It didn't taste bad. Some of the some of the other water brands you write are are not as very good in terms of quality. Like I I don't really trust Spring Water, and I don't trust a lot of the major brands like Dasani. I just saw a funny thing. I don't know what to the to think too much into it, but on the back of a Dasani water bottle, I saw a picture like a meme that was showing mm-hmm. a Wikipedia entry for a lethal injection, and saying that one of the most common lethal injection ingredients is like potassium chloride Mm. and then it shows the back of a label of dasani water and it's got potassium chloride added to it (laughs) oh i don't know what to make of that but Mm. it was actually kind of it was kind of funny at the time 
potassium chloride and water. That sounds very. That sounds, why would they add that? You know, what's <laughs> the weapon? That's so Desani. <laughs> maybe Dasani. maybe it's they they're they're from their side. It might be they they want to give all the microorganisms that may or may not be in the water a lethal injection, so that. <laughs> but I don't know. Who knows? Maybe they're trying to control the population with this these chemicals. <laughs> I mean, that sounds very. Extreme, I mean, yeah, they are, no, they are doing that. They've done. I mean, with the fluoride is a they they actually invented that in Nazi Germany. People, if you oh, do the research, yeah, they the the first times they were testing it was in concentration camps. It was like a corporation called Alk, uh, IG Farben, which was like an industry that owned a lot of different. In industries and I think they pay they teamed up with like Bayer at some point or they merged with Bayer but mm -hmm. they were called IG Farben and they were like involved in the concentration camps and they were testing how much fluoride they could give to the inmates before it had a noticeable effect that mm -hmm. was too obvious and then there was this CIA uh, like declassified document called Project Paperclip, which was a program after World War II, where they, after World War II, they brought a bunch of the uh, Nazi staff and Nazi scientists and Nazi administration and their governments and mm -hmm. a lot of di their different societal leaders. They imported them into America and gave them positions of authority in our governments and like NASA, for example, and different school systems and, you know, all, all kinds of stuff like that. And no, and what do you know? Now we have fluoride in our water. So. <laughs> I think we now have rockets based on the V2 rocket that was made in originally from Nazi Germany, right? <laughs> oh, is that true? I didn't know that. I think so. Um, yeah, I'm not too sure, but I know that has something called V2 over there. And you mentioned like a scientist working for NASA. That's kind of well, creepy, actually. That was a great conspiracy lesson that we already had. Just kind of, I wasn't planning that one. It just sort of came out of nowhere. So I'm, I'm kind of good at that, bringing almost every discussion into the realm of conspiracy or philosophy or. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm the same way too, you know. Um, at the end of the day, it's just, it's all about being aware about what's happening in this world. I think it's very, very important. You know, um, I think people get too caught, too caught up in um, their, their daily routines. And most people just want to want to live a simple life, you know, and some cases that's okay. But, um, you know, I think, I think we, in the real world, we need more people to stand up and um, we, we live in a society, like a very, a great time where, uh, there's so much freedom and stuff like that and and even though there's so much freedom there's there's a lot of people out there that are trying to um, invade and and get rid of the freedom for the people you know so and and the founding fathers of the u.s like they stated it very clear that that if a population cannot maintain um liberty over security um they will lose both of them and gain either so i yeah, think that's right if they give <laughs> up essential liberty for some the illusion of security mm -hmm. then they lose both because they didn't deserve either of them kind of thing mm -hmm. you said it right it's, it's like it's kind of creepy though like you know just a bunch of people are willing to put their trust on one person you know it's kind of like how it is now with the president and stuff like that um it shouldn't it shouldn't 
all this power shouldn't just go to one person. It should be divided. I mean, I kind of like how we have the three branches of government, um, but I kind of wish it was a little bit more direct democracy, you know? I mean, direct democracy, you know, with the blockchain or something, it does sound like it would work better. It does sound like it would work better. Mm-hmm. It's not quite my my preferred way. I, th- I would, I'm just kind of pure anarchy myself. Mm-hmm. But... It's, it does. The, the direct democracy idea seems like it would work better, mm-hmm. you know, with the technology enabling something like that. You, you Naive people would wonder, well, why haven't they made it so we can just vote online? And why can't we just have a blockchain government, which they're working on that stuff? Mm-hmm. Actually, they, 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 are, they do have blockchain software that is designed specifically to uh, mm-hmm. get people... Um, coordinated in like large groups and coming up with rules like for example like a government or something on the blockchain that people could vote on and mm-hmm. i say we just go with the the truth <laughs> you have yeah. to get people to realize what that is first but yeah absolutely and like you mentioned the blockchain the blockchain honestly is one of the biggest revolutionary technologies that we're going to be seeing in our lifetime and um speaking about blockchains um, eventually I want to create my own on my blog site. Um, I've been working on a couple of projects. Um, one that I'm kind of working on right now, it's not really a project, but I'm, I'm going through a book called uh, C++ for Dummies. And I'm going to show this to Nathan real quick. I got this from the library a couple of weeks back. Um, had the time extended because <laughs> it's, it's been a little complicating. Uh, learning C++. Um, That's but- very valuable, though. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's uh, you might not be aware of this. There was a new blockchain that just started. They they had their pre-sale token pre-sale for the last year. And the pre-sale tokens were on the Ethereum blockchain. But finally, the token pre-sale was over. And the company is called Block One, And the name of the coin in the blockchain is called EOS. And... Uh, they, they designed that so that it would work with the C++ programming language. Mm-hmm. So it's like a global computer that has processing power that's decentralized, memory and storage and bandwidth. So if you get good at both C++ and maybe some kind of blockchain programming, that might be a good kind of... Because it, it literally just came out and... I was interested in it a lot. Yeah. It seems like it'll change a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's the technology that, um, like you mentioned, just came and it's not going anywhere. And I think that the job demand for it is going to be very big. And I actually have heard of Block One before. And um, I think they're, they're somewhere out in Europe. Is it Ireland, um, Norway or something like that? I'm not sure that the the main guy, the main programmer guy, his name is Dan Larimer, mm-hmm. and he's like this blockchain genius guy. That he before this EOS, he had worked on Steemit website, which is a very common blogging website that's totally decentralized and has its own mm-hmm. cryptocurrency. That like if you upvote a person, it gives them these Steam dollars, and then you can at your account on there. If you get a lot of upvotes, you can actually go transfer them to a cryptocurrency exchange and trade them for like bitcoins or something Mm. so it's it's really neat but then before that he had created this decentralized cryptocurrency exchange 
and it was called BitShares. And that's that's still going, but you know, this is his third project and he's he's I I think he's really really smart. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he he must have a really impressive resume. Um I mean, he's just dipping into areas that no one has really uh got into before and um I think I I I don't know if you're aware about this like there's this um technology too they're learning about how to cool GPUs because um when it comes to the whole data mining process and how they are able to you know have all the computers connected and gather the data to make the transactions accurate it takes a whole bunch of uh computing power and and um like they have these racks of like graphics cards and stuff like that. So, I mean, while their electric bill is going up, I mean, uh, they're also trying their best to make sure these graphics cards are all within temperature. So I, I think there's this cool technology. I seen it on video before where they actually take the graphics cards and they put them into, it's like some sort of liquid. I, I think it's water. I'm not too sure, but probably oil. You can okay. actually, yeah, you can drop a computer, an entire, I saw a video of this a long time ago, you can drop an entire computer with no box mm-hmm. into a pool of oil, and the oil won't corrode it or screw it up at all. So that might have been what it was, some kind of oil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's insane. Um, when I first seen that, you know, and before not too long ago, like a lot of people were doubting cryptocurrency. I mean, they already were, like when it came to um, just the idea that Bitcoin being used as a currency at all, you know, was, was kind of like scoffed at, but now you see, um, uh, Bitcoin soaring in price. Um, but also like the technology that has came from it and like the ability to cool down the graphics cards with the oil or whatever liquid it was. But when I saw that, I was like, dude, this is cool. When I get my own graphics card, I'm just going to dump it away. (laughs) <laughs> forget the, the cpu no, coolers <laughs> well uh I, I don't know why i didn't think of that sooner but a funny fact about those blockchains with the uh, graphics cards and the data the mining hardware they uh, and the other way they do it is they built this custom mining hardware that only mines bitcoins and similar uh hash function similar cryptocurrencies based on that bitcoin hash function so like the graphic cards one can i think they can mine bitcoin but there's some of them that that'll do ether because it's a different mathematical function or something that's better for graphics cards mm-hmm. but anyway those that's cryptocurrencies a... mm-hmm. uh have built-in limitations that are designed with this philosophy that if the computer has to do a bunch of work it somehow makes the coin valuable and that's kind of like an old obsolete way of thinking already so a lot of the newer cryptocurrencies that are coming out don't require that much computing power, uh, not even near as much because they're just the pro- they weren't programmed to waste the uh, GPU or just to waste a bunch of computational power solving useless math problems. That was part of the Bitcoin and the Ether and, a lot, and Litecoin. A lot of those older ones were based on that idea. And the, the idea was that, well, if the computer burns up a bunch of chips over time, that's going to give the coin extra value, but it's not really a, uh, it's not really based in truth. And so the newer ones are all kind of dropping that uh, u- useless calculation out of their algorithms. And so they're way, way quicker. Like that EOS blockchain is supposed to be like a thousand times faster than Visa's global transaction processing power. So it's like, it's out, it's making Visa obsolete as far as, processing transactions and stuff it's, it's really exciting 
I know that 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 sounds really cool, and the way that you're mentioning it with the whole like computing power, um, yeah, it kind of does it doesn't really make a lot of sense how we place value off of this cryptocurrency because it was using so much computing power. I kind of thought that was the whole point of it. Um, that's what gave it like it's it's kind of like asset value. Um, but yeah, I think that I that's really cool that the newer uh, cryptocurrencies that are coming out are actually um, being revolutionized and developing better technology. Um, and uh, you mentioned like mathematical concepts and algorithms that play a part in uh, these these uh, blockchains and stuff like that. Um, I, I actually did uh, look into that, and it's it's pretty complicated. Um, so I also just I, I learned this really deep sense of appreciation for what what goes on through a, a um, cryptocurrency transaction because there's just so much um, math that is going on behind it. And me personally, I'm a, I'm a big um, fan of math, you know, and uh, I definitely want to um, get into that if it, it is um, requiring that much, you know, either that or electrical engineering. So it's it's very it's something I'm very passionate about, you know. So that's pretty cool. Well, I'm glad you're really passionate about that. I, yeah. I, like I said before, it really takes a special type of person to be really passionate about computers and programming and stuff. So mm-hmm. you're, you'll do really well with that if you keep following your heart on that one. But I read a book. It was called Mastering Bitcoin. And uh, it shows you all the technicalities of all the different, um, basically how the entire software works. And it's even got code examples too. So yeah, it's it's real intricate and it is very interesting and there's quite a bit more going on than you know people would suspect, even though it is mysterious and most people don't know anything about programming anyway. But it's still a little bit. It's just it was neat. As a programmer, it was really neat to see how they were doing that. So maybe we should move on to talk about C plus plus a little bit. I know you wanted to talk about that. Yeah, I mean, like like you said that obviously cryptocurrency and. Um, the blockchain and, and all the technology surrounding that field it's based on c++ and um what i was what, what i was mentioning earlier was that um c++ is a bit intimidating but um like you mentioned and i've heard it before too when you when you learn c++ um you pretty much are set for every other language that um that you are going to learn in the future. You know, like for example, Python, I learned Python before C++ and um, it's a, it's a really great language and I like it a lot. Python is probably the best, like the first language somebody should learn. Um, I wanted to get in C++. I'll tell you why I wanted to get into it. Um, It's because um, one of the reasons was because of Arduino and Arduino is, is, it's like the embedded programming, right? With the robotics and stuff like that. Um, I just checked online some some products they have. They're selling for like thirty, fifty dollars. That's something that I'd want to buy and um, learn to code and work with. And I think Raspberry Pi, I can do something with too. But I'm actually more interested in Arduino because that that one is um, done through C plus plus. So that that sounds really cool. On top of that, um, it's also that game development is based on C plus plus too. So. Um, do I want to be a game developer? I don't know, but <laughs> um, I always uh, had a passion for like modding games and stuff like that. So learning to create my whole own mod from scratch is um, that would be pretty cool. 
And, um, and on top of that, I was like C++ is, I think it's one of the languages that you have to learn in your class. And um, I was kind of curious, that's, that's what you had to, to do, right? In, um, in Baylor University, you ha- it was like mandatory to learn C++, which is kind of oh, weird yeah. because, yeah, it's weird because like that's um, the hardest language out there. <laughs> like this should be teach you Python or something. Well, I don't think Python was really that popular. I mean, I went to college I guess I started about 13 years ago, but yeah, they taught, they taught C++ just because it's, you know, still common and relevant. And like you saying, it's the most difficult one, maybe not the most difficult one, Mm -hmm. but it's, uh, it gives you quite a bit of power and it really teaches you a lot of the, uh, concepts about how computers work and maybe a lot of the things that are hidden from, most programmers that are just good to be aware of, you would learn by learning how to do C++, like with the memory allocation and deallocation. And, you know, you can do certain things with C++ accidentally or on purpose. Like you can get it to uh, reference memory that is not a part of the data structure. So you can make these mistakes by having a pointer to a memory location that some you can add like digits to the pointer and it'll move it to a net to the next memory location but if you add the wrong amount of digits you'll get like corrupted data or you'll get data that you're not you might not even be supposed to access or something i don't it's been a while but mm-hmm. i mean you sound like you you know your stuff though still <laughs> um yeah i i, I did hear i learned about the the memory the pointers and stuff like that you know allocating memory um i actually was introduced to hexadecimals and uh uh, in octadecimals too and you know it's funny is that like uh, i've always looked at the programmer calculator on windows you know what i'm talking about right like where it shows like the hex and yeah. the octa yeah. and binary and at first i was like what the hell is this <laughs> but um the book teaches you how to convert the, the um each number to a different decimal so when i figured that out i was yeah i was like i was so happy i was like yeah now i'm an official programmer you know that was that was a yeah. pretty cool experience <laughs> Like again, I'm really glad that that makes you happy. I was in such a negative headspace during college that you know I was just kind of dragging through it. I did find it to be interesting, and I you know especially mm-hmm. the way the programs. And I was pretty decent at programming myself, so it wasn't horrible or anything. But I certainly wasn't excited to be doing all of my homework and and everything like this. And 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 I definitely wasn't going out of my way to create extra projects on the side like you're doing that's kind of probably the difference between a self-motivated person who is uh really in the right business and following their heart and mm-hmm. where i was was just kind of like in more in uh survival mode or, or coping mode coping mm-hmm. with the reality i just happened to end up in that program and so you know, it wasn't that bad. I, I did learn quite, I never knew anything about computer programming before that. So mm-hmm. I, th- I think it's really handy knowledge to, to know about and it's certainly very interesting and a very useful skill. And it probably will come in handy again um, in my life. I don't, it's, mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I'm pretty good at it myself. So I, I, there's no reason why I shouldn't, you know, develop that further from, mm-hmm. you know, after this point. So yeah, when I when I um just got back into school, um before like I wasn't really motivated, so it was, it was really hard for me to focus. So hearing you say that, like, um, getting you you uh, learning about C plus plus and 
you know, um, going through all this graduate stuff um, while you were, you know, dealing with when you weren't like, you know what I mean, as motivated. When I hear that, I'm like, how does he, how did he do it? <laughs> because I'm, I'm here and I'm, uh, in order for me to focus on something, I have to really enjoy it. I realized um, when it comes to discipline, I mean, I could get myself to, to learn some self-discipline, but at the end of the day, like, especially when it's career related, I have to enjoy it. And um, as far as like um, doing these, these projects and stuff like that, um, I'm actually more of a creative person, honestly, um, when it comes to like right now I'm treating programming, programming as a hobby, right? Um, me doing that and, and doing all these projects, um, one is because it's good for the resume and two, it's because it's, I, I, that's kind of like my workflow. I just enjoy being, uh, creative, you know, I've, I've always been a creative person. Um, I lo I've played music before I've, I've created music. Um, and this is just demonstrating nothing short of that, you know? Um, so for me to do something, I must really enjoy it. You know, there's, there's this big demand for programmers out there, you know, and I feel like programming the way that it's portrayed in the media, is like very, you see like this, this guy, he's like, in the, in the dark room right and it's like a black screen with white lines of code and there's like ash buds and cigarette smoke in the air and stuff like that you know um i think it, you know especially like with python it's just it's a very colorful colorful like programming language the way it's displayed on the the ide and stuff like that and there's i think there's just a big window out there that people are missing out on because of that stereotype you know yeah, there's a lot of stereotypes with IT people and programmers. I, the one that you had just mentioned, it reminded me of the guy on Jurassic Park that is trying. There is actually two stereotypical <laughs> programmers on Jurassic Park. Like the one you described was the... Uh, uh, Samuel Jackson. <laughs> yeah, Samuel Jackson. That was his character, smoking a bunch and really stressed out <laughs> about it. And then the other, the other stereotype is that you know, the fat, greasy nerd guy that is, you know, he, he likes programming a little bit too much to the point where it imbalances everything else in his life. He, he, may, he might like that, and then he might like video games, and he might like anime porn or something, and that would be his whole life. And he probably only drinks, you know, sun-kissed orange soda and, like, eats pizza every day, and that's his... <laughs> yeah. There was a person like that at Baylor. That, that was one of my roommates. It, it, it was pretty bad. We were randomly assigned roommates. Um, I lived in the nerd dorm with the engineers and the computer programmers. So uh, one of our random assignments, because I lived with like five people in my first couple of years, but one of the random assignments was this, basically just like the, the Newman character or that, you know, that guy off Jurassic Park, whatever his name is in the movie, but except a little bit worse than that. <laughs> He was like a, probably a sixth or seventh year senior and it was just, it was taking him a long time and mm -hmm. I don't want to trash him completely. I think he did eventually graduate, but at the time I was kind of annoyed by it. <laughs> I'm finding from reading my book, Reality Transurfing, that whenever you judge other people and when you have, especially when you have a very negative emotion associated with that judgment, mm -hmm. it actually ruins your life and it pulls you into these like alternative parallel dimension time timelines where things you know don't go very well for you is what the book's saying i think it, it sort of makes sense because i've noticed it in myself here and there is 
sometimes it's really fun to hate on all of the sheeple or you know whatever it is that is your pet peeve from other people if you if you sit there and focus on it and then you get angry that everyone is not as cool as you and you know that's just not it kind of drags you down so i i'm being i'm being a little more careful about um mm. judgments you know for other people it's not not to say you don't want to notice flaws or problems you just don't want to get all emotionally invested in it and then only focus on the the problems with everyone else and and then get bummed out by it. Speaking of that, that book you mentioned, Reality Transurfing, yeah, how far are you into it? And uh, have you liked the book so far? Has it gave you a lot of insight, um, like yeah. you were mentioning? It's really great. Uh, I've, I've been reading it kind of slow because the, like every single page seems to be so profound and relevant to me that it's like, you know, I've, I'm 160 pages in and the book that I got is like 700, 750 pages it's got like five steps combined into a single book so i think you spaced it out into five books at first mm -hmm. but it's really awesome one, one of the best things about it is he gives a lot of real world example situations of like you know typical examples of how somebody would get on the wrong timeline like one of the examples that comes to mind is a guy who uh, has a crush on a girl and he's making her into like a much bigger deal than the reality of it and it's a distortion of reality like in her mind she's it says in the book she's like in her, so in her mind it's just, just like oh, yeah i like having fun and uh you know that guy's he's all right but i you know i just like having fun and then he's like so obsessed with her that he's like trying to to work it work it out to the point of stressing out and completely paranoid about it and you know wants to marry her or this and that and then he, he said that's like a recipe for, because you have this imbalance and put, you're putting too much importance on something that is not actually that important or that you should, like that's one of the key concepts in that book is what are you putting importance on and what kind of importance. So a lot of the things that stress people out, if they would just make it into something that's not a big deal, they, their life would go a lot better. Like some, you know, sometimes people get all stressed out by another person that's irritating them. And maybe it's like they just sit there and they focus on it and they replay it over and over in their mind. And then they get all angry and upset. And then the next day they wake up and then, then, then something else has their attention or the same thing. I was in that, that uh, kind of downward spiral, you could say, for years of just placing importance on – me trying to attract girls is what it was. We've already been over this, but I was so stressed out about that and so upset about it. that, And then I was jealous of other people if they were able to do it. And then I, you know, I hated the present moment because I didn't have, it didn't look the way that I wanted it to look. And, you know, he, all of this, these little things in here, there's so many good examples and different aspects to it. Like guilt was one aspect that I was doing to myself. I was I had a guilt complex and I didn't even realize that's what it was, but I was telling myself that I was guilty of being like beta male or guilty of being a coward or guilty of, uh, you know, being fucked up as a kid or something. And because I was doing that, there's a subconscious connection to that that says, well, now you need to be punished. And so you start punishing yourself, but not only does that happen, then you start attracting other people who are going to also judge you as guilty, which in my case was like, if, if I ever saw a girl 
that I liked. She would judge me as guilty of being a beta male, and then she would, then she would just treat me like the beta male again. And so it was like I was generating all of that, and it was feeding into itself. And mm. I don't know. It's really great. He talks about how to how people go wrong with money, like. He's saying a lot of poor people actually have like a poor person mindset. Yeah, that is true. And then, yeah. And then he's saying a lot of times if, if you are well off, but then one little financial thing really bothers you and you put too much importance on it and, you, and then you just get all negative about it. It's like, let's say a business deal didn't go through and then you just freak out a little bit and you put and you stress out a little too much about it. Then he's saying it generates excess potential is what he says. And then balancing forces come in and somehow they, they're trying to get you not to make money important. So what they do is uh, until you let it go, they just take more and more of your money away to stress you out even more. And <laughs> at some point you learn that it's not that important, but maybe by then you've already gone all the way down, mm -hmm. down the drain and you're, out, you're broke on the street. And then you have to just let go of money because you've... <laughs> It might be in the next life too. Who knows? I, I kind of believe in multiple life, life uh, experience, mm -hmm. like reincarnation, you could say. I don't know. I kind of, and it's not even belief. I just suspect that it might be true. Mm -hmm. it, it seems pretty obvious. I mean, the way that we experience consciousness and the way the universe works like that. So I can, I can understand where you're coming from. Um, and my cousin believes that too. And so do I. Um, but I mean, that sounds like a really interesting book. And, you know, you mentioned like girls and stuff like that. And when you were, when you were speaking about yourself, I was like, oh man, that's, that sounds like the story of my life as well. You know? Well, maybe you should read this book. <laughs> I found it. I've, I bought it for one of my uh, spiritual mentors. I'm, I'm going to give it to him this weekend. And I, I already told a couple of my other friends about it. Mm. It's written by this Russian guy and I'm just kind of impressed. I mean, I really am. I found the perfect book for me right now. So, for you guys out there, if you're interested in reading a book, read Reality Transfusing. <laughs> Transurfing is by Vadim Zeeland. Yeah, definitely want to check that out when I get the chance. Um, yeah, the the concepts sound very interesting behind it. Just um, like the idea of not getting too attached to anything, and it's basically kind of like mindfulness. Just learning to be able to not be so attached to any experience that you're having um and any emotion you're experiencing you know that kind of reminds me of it and like with girls i mean yeah you know like with the whole guilt complex thing i never heard of that term before so that, that sounds like really some some next level stuff so it sounds very interesting like with girls it's it's like it's, it has a lot to do with chemistry and stuff like that um i think there's um there's a study done like some sort of statistical fact that with the communication between humans, I think 90% of it is body language. And I think like girls can pick that up easily. Like they can tell like, Oh, this guy is acting a certain way or, you know, this guy is more attractive. They, they kind of like see it from just from how the person is acting and stuff like that, you know? So uh, I don't know, man, it's, it's, it's pretty uh, frustrating. Like why, some guys can do it and some guys can't um but it is. especially mm -hmm. when you're on the side of the per of the person who can't do it and you're just stuck in there for years that's mm -hmm. that was that was my life it took 
I, I did get one good relationship for about three years, two or three years. But other than that, it, it was pretty much really shitty <laughs> for, for a good 20, uh, almost 20 years. It was real shitty except for those two good years. <laughs> so. mm-hmm. I think Nathan went from that guy who wants the serious relationship. Me too. And now we just want to have some nasty ass sex. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I think about that a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. Actually, actually, see, one of his strategies for, for getting rid of importance is to have a safety net. So well, an example he gave was like, let's say you, you suspect that you might lose your job. Mm-hmm. And if, if you let that get into this paranoid uh, downward spiral, then, you, then you're, more, you're more likely to actually lose your job. Like you start hearing rumors about, well, the, the company's not doing that well, and then they're going to start eliminating redundancies in their staff. And then, then it starts to freak you out. One of the ways to, to get over that is if, if you're having a hard time just ignoring it and not letting it um, get to you, mm-hmm. one, you know, you can create a safety net. So what you would do is just go and start looking for other jobs just in case your job falls through. And then, then if you start doing that and you take action, then the importance and the excess potential is supposed to be kind of neutralized and you start feeling better. And then maybe you don't even lose your job. But so like a safety net that I, uh, recently discovered, I don't know if I even told you about this one. I think I might have, Mm -hmm. I discovered my feminine side, which is actually something that I had been kind of discovering all along. And it's like, you just, it's like discovering your soulmate is how I describe it because it turns out that I actually have like a female side that, um, it's kind of hidden from me and the society programs you to be male polarized if you're a man, mm-hmm. which, you know, my body is male polarized. So it's, and my body still likes girls and everything, but mm-hmm. in, in my mind now I had blocked, I had been sort of blocking off the feminine side of the uh, sexual dynamic, which likes, it likes men and it likes male attention. Right. Mm-hmm. So now that I kind of discovered that and I discovered it through like psychedelics a lot and then just, being so miserable and sexual fantasizing mm-hmm. was a big way because I was actually to the point where I could create entire sceneries and, you know, I could create girls out of thin air in my mind, like a three-dimensional kind of picture uh, and that would look really real. And then I could have sex with it. And then I would, I would end up, it would feel like I was actually doing it in real life. And it was a technique I kind of heard, but I, I had naturally been doing it my whole life. But once I started to really own that, mm-hmm. I actually discovered that that's actually that very powerful technique that anytime I start to feel like I need sex or I wish I had a girlfriend or something, mm-hmm. I just go and do that. And it's like, I have a girlfriend and then I start feeling way better. So now I've kind of just owned that side of myself. And, and I've learned this other thing, like I can teleport into her perspective and like, like if I was having a sexual fantasy, mm-hmm. normally my old self, it would be from the male perspective and there would be a girl there, right? Mm-hmm. Now I can actually teleport my consciousness into her kind of spirit body mm-hmm. and then view her and then make her do things to me, to my spirit body. And then it's like I'm, it's like I'm her. And then it, that's just kind of fun by itself. And you can, t- you can bring her personality out into... Uh, your day-to-day interactions and stuff. I don't know. I've, I've felt a whole lot better. It's kind of like the safety net that he was talking about. So it's like a really great way that I've re- you know, 
only very recently in the last couple months discovered that mm-hmm. has really lowered the importance that I was putting on um, freaking out because I was, uh, you know, alone and there, there was no girls around. I kept telling myself that, mm-hmm. which is probably a self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, I kept judging the world and saying, well, it's all just fat old people and they're all, they're all so nasty and they never work out and they all eat junk food and there's zombies everywhere and, you know, mm-hmm. it's a police state and there's no girls and I'm never, I'm never going to get laid. <laughs> you know, I would get angry about it and I would dwell in that all day long. Yeah. And then he's saying all of, if you do that, it's just going to, to make your reality even more of that. So <laughs> you just kind of, you have to stop freaking out about it and just, you know, accept the present moment and then do something fun that makes you kind of happy. I've been listening to this other law of attraction guy. His name's Kevin Trudeau. And he, a lot of that kind of teachings all, it's like different people saying the same thing, but in different ways. And some of them have a lot of insights that, you know, it's worth checking out multiple teachers with this stuff, but mm-hmm. Kevin Trudeau was a great one. He has a lot of free presentations on uh, YouTube. And also for the girl advice, I found a lot of benefit out of looking into uh, YouTube like lessons about how to get girls. And one of my favorite teachers on there is called the Real Social, Social Dynamics. And they, they have like YouTube channels for their different teachers. Mm-hmm. They have, yeah, it's, it's like my favorite one out of them is they go by RSD as the acronym real social dynamics. And then they'll have like, so there's a free tour where they, they, they go around the world and then they have these events like conferences that are, that are, they have a free section. And then at night after the conference, they will all go out. And if you pay money, you can go out with them and then they'll give you like one-on-one lessons and they're called boot camps, and they videotape a lot of it. And then they've, so like I've been watching, t- tuning into a lot of their videos and I found a new teacher that I kind of like on there. His name was RSD Derek mm-hmm. and I, I had missed him, but he was pretty good. But I think RSD Owen or Owen, his, he, was, he was featured, he was mentioned in this book that's like a classic pickup advice book that's mm-hmm. probably worth reading just because it's interesting and it's kind of cool. It's kind of a real cool book. I really enjoyed it when I first read it. It, gave, it was like the first time I had ever got good dating advice because I, you know, I'd been looking into to online dating advice since I was like in high school. That's when I started looking into it because I was that desperate. Yeah. And, you know, it was all right, but it was just kind of generic and not, not really that good. Mm-hmm. You know, it didn't, it didn't give you any of the basics or the context that, or any methods. It just was like, I don't even remember it because it, nothing stood out. It was, yeah. you know, I was so hopeless then anyway that. When but, you hear like the most like advice on google and stuff like that but it always comes down to is nice guys finish last or um you have to be this douchebag and stuff like that and it sounds very like vague but i know i know it's not true but like most of the trainers like they come off like that you know like when when we discuss like relationships like people kind of get like emotionally immature with um when it comes to discussing about relationships and the opposite sex um so it's it's kind of difficult to you know i never heard of the social dynamic um but he sounds really interesting i want to check him out but from personal yeah, you might check a few of them out. That book I was talking about just now was called The Game. Mm-hmm. And that would be worth reading too. That one's real cool. You should find it. The Game. It's about pickup artists is what they used to call themselves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they used to invent like superhero names for themselves. Like the, one of the characters, his name was Mystery, right? And he was like one of the very first people to do this, to create 
uh, boot camps and to go around teaching people and create his own method. And it was actually pretty good. I, I really liked his method. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but there's a lot of different styles of it. So it's like you wouldn't want to just listen to him because he has his own kind of style that may may not work that well for you. And you get contradictory advice. Like some some of the people will tell you, just go straight up to a strange girl and tell her that you're attracted to her and that you like her. But his method was different. His method was like, no, don't do that. Have some interesting story and routine and then pretend like you don't like her and that you're just doing this because it makes you happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you, and then you would have these other things. You'd be like, actually... T- Make all of her friends like you when you're doing this routine and ignore her and then wait for her to ask for your attention and then like, and then like neck her and say, no, no, shut up you. And then I'm trying to talk here. Is she always like this? And (laughs) so he had his own way. You wouldn't want to listen to just him, but it was very interesting read. Uh, Kind of, I, I, if, if, if that's something that bothers you, I think just listening to these guys would kind of help because it, it really did help me and I got a lot of good, like when they're talking about nice guy stuff, mm-hmm. what they really mean is like you want to be able to lead. You want to be like a leader and you want to not be afraid of her and afraid of other guys and, um, you know, putting too much value on trying to impress her. I think that's that's part of it. That's kind of like the typical nice guy. You're, you're so insecure that you're just, you know, and then you're kind of needy as well because, you you know, so it's, there's a lot to it. It's, 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 once you start learning about it, you kind of get the context and you have an idea of where, mm-hmm. kind of where, a, a better idea of what you should be like. And that's, it's a long process getting there. Like, like I've been tuning into that for 13 years now. And only, only now have I finally felt like I'm not needy anymore and that I'm not uh, attached to it, right? And I, I've been getting that advice. So like, don't be needy don't be attached to the outcome. Mm-hmm. You have to not, you have to not really care so much. I've been getting that from, from these guys for years. And you know, only, only this year have I actually transitioned into that emotional frame frame. So yeah. I know it's going to go better from here. Absolutely. It was really miserable for a long time. Yeah. I hear you. Yeah. No, you're, I'm, I've been in the same boat. Um, you know, the idea of having a safety net, honestly, sounds really great. And, um, you know, it's funny that you brought that up because um, today today has been a pretty decent day for me because, um, like you mentioned about the jobs and stuff like that, I've actually was, like, every day I go into work, I, like, living on your own, there's a lot of pressure, right? Like, a lot of financial pressure. Make sure it's kind of it's, it kind of sucks that I have to depend on my job so much in order to maintain the lifestyle that I have right now, you know? Um, but having that safety net, I've learned, like you mentioned, I've learned that it really, really helps. Like I started, I set up a savings account. I mean, I do have savings, but I want to be able to have enough financial um, uh, assets that when things hit the fan, when shit hits the fan, I will have this to kind of give me a peace of mind, you know, like I, I want to be able to not be so dependent on my job. And eventually I want to leave Subway because I'm getting sick of that place. My hours got cut previously and now I got them back. So I'm very, very happy about that. And now that I have this opportunity to collect wealth again, what I'm going to do is uh, start saving up more money and also have more capital to be able to do other things, whether it's invest in the blog site and different projects, hopefully even 
become a freelance writer for software development. That's the goal that I want to do. And that's the, what I'm trying to do right now. Um, but before when I was, uh, had my hours cut, I was very, very stressed out. I was very worried about making sure the money comes in and paying the rent and all that shit. Um, so yeah, having a safety net really, really helps. It takes the pressure off a lot. And as far as when it comes to girls, I mean, um, you know, there's, it's funny you brought up the whole like uh, kind of like fantasizing sex and the feminine side and stuff like that. You know, I think as, as humans, we're like whole. We're like when we come to this earth, we are one. And then um, as you become a teenager and you become a part of society, I think it's more psychological than it is. I mean, there's a biological part. Of it, don't get me wrong. But I think you can train your psyche to, to learn to feel whole. And that's by kind of filling in that that whole with the feminine side of yours you know what i mean we all have that feminine side i mean it's part of the human psyche um but to 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 learn it is i think the difficult step and there's another thing that i want to talk about too and that's that's lucid dreaming if i really wanted to get into it i would definitely do it and have sex in there (laughs) well that's what i I was actually just thinking about that today actually because i noticed a pattern um so I, one of the techniques that I learned to try to get girls, and it works really well, but it wasn't enough to get me there. Uh, so I just totally stopped masturbating altogether, basically. And it was very difficult for a while because I had an internet, I was on to internet porn as my safety net, which I would recommend is, you know, not a good safety net mm-hmm. uh, because it was sabotaging me. I wasn't able to build up a sexual energy charge that would make girls actually attracted to you. So once I quit that and then I quit masturbating, you know, that, that, took, that took a while to really, it was like quitting smoking or something. I mean, I still get cravings to do it, mm-hmm. but they're less and less and they're, they're going away and, they don't, and I'm just committed. I'm not going to go, go back there. Yeah. So anytime I get the temptation, I'm like, no, put the, see, a lot of times it'll be late at night and I'll have to use the computer for something. But then I get either, I get worn out with the computer or I'm done with the computer and it doesn't even have to be late at night. So let's say I'm on it for like 20 minutes looking at, cryptocurrency charts or something and then I'm, i like burnt out on that or i i looked at it enough and then all of a sudden the thought will be like hey you should you should check out this uh site that you used to check out and then i'll sit there and i'll be like oh, it's time, to, it's time to, to close the computer <laughs> and I, I close it and i put it away and i'm like okay all right snap out of it okay good mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, the longest I've I've gone without masturbating, I've 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 heard about no fap and I've tried to get into it, and the longest I've gone was ten days, and on the tenth day, I remember that feeling like my balls were fully loaded, <laughs> I was ready to explode, you know, and I did. <laughs> well, it takes a while. Yeah, it takes a, a lot of practice. See that. See the key of it is, if you want to get good at it, is if you can't take if you make it ten days and then you and then you quit immediately go back into another 10 days or as long as you can because what will happen is if you if you can't make it and then you quit and then you start getting depressed about it and, like, and you're like well i just give up and then you do it two or three times well now you're kind of back at baseline where you started but you know especially when you're first getting off of it it might take a few years to really get like i'm totally consistent with it now i don't even think i've done it since last year sometime i might have done it one time last year i don't know but it took me a long time to get there. The key is to be consistent with it though. And only, only orgasm one time if you happen to have an accident. And like the next step for me is a, 
like tantric sex, if I get a partner, is um, you want to ideally never orgasm when you're having sex. And you want to make it to, eventually it'll come out in your sleep, which is called like a nocturnal emission. Mm-hmm. And if you could have multiple partners and only, only discharge a little bit with them, meaning don't take it too far, and then you could, should be able to consistently still make it to the dream. And then this, like I was thinking, because you brought up lucid dreaming, uh, once I get closer and closer, you'll feel your energy rise and stuff with a full moon too. The full moon draws that energy out of you. That but it'll start to get, yeah, it'll start to get really, really extreme. Mm-hmm. And then you'll start having sex dreams, right? And like I had one yesterday morning, but it wasn't a sex dream. Just like I made out with a girl. Mm-hmm. for a second about a lot of times what will happen is you'll have the sex dream or some kind of dream like that and then and then it only lasts five seconds or something and then you're and then you wake up every almost every time and it's like well damn why didn't i just like milk that for a little bit and i i think this is kind of a motivation actually for me to get into lucid dreaming so that i can have a little more control of the dream or something yeah. <laughs> because you know dreams can get out of control and it's like you it's like you don't you're not aware that it's a dream and then all this crazy stuff happens and you're like, mm-hmm. well, I don't even know what's going on. Yeah. The last time I was able to lucid dream, I, I can't remember, honestly. Um, there are little peaks where I'm, I'm, I, some odd reason I, I realize I'm dreaming. And then what I'll do is I'll be like, um, yeah, my, I'll try to keep myself conscious, which is very, very difficult for me in my sleep like oh my name is zane my address is you know 1535 southeast rogan circle that's that was my parents address and my phone number is this and that you know but i always end up sleeping you know slipping like it's it's very difficult but i mean with practice like you know i never really put a lot of practice into it but if i did i think that i would i would do a lot better um and i totally sympathize with you it's like when you are finally when you get super excited uh, and you're having that that dream five seconds in like you wake up and then you're like shit man <laughs> I'm just- well i know but it's nice it's a nice break for me because you know i haven't had any partners i mean mm-hmm. uh, in a long time and so it's like it's like in the dream it feels real so it's like you remember it all day and then you remember it the next day and you're like it gives you an emotional boost and you're like i don't know who that person was in the dream but i really liked her and you know mm-hmm. you know so it was like I had that dream yesterday morning and I was thinking about it all day yesterday and today a little bit. And it just made me feel good that that happened, even though it was only for five seconds. I still replayed it over and over again. So it's kind of that's kind of like your reward for being so disciplined, you know, and making it that long. That's so. awesome. Yeah. Like um, that's something that I want to get into eventually. And every day counts. You know, eventually I want to stop doing it myself. Um and I've heard that there's so many benefits from 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 watching no porn and, and not masturbating. Um, so that's something I definitely want to look into. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that we're kind of running out of time here. So we're going to go ahead and, and wrap the podcast up. Um, that's all for us that we have today. Um, thanks a lot, Nathan, for coming on and discussing with me about C++ and girls and, you know. <laughs> Also, the, the, the book that you mentioned, too, is it it really fun. And I definitely want to do more of this. Um, I think the next one I, uh, podcast I want to do, I want to uh, definitely bring somebody onto the show. And me and you could um, chat with that person. Um, we'll see. I mean, um, I did say that before. 
Um, so hopefully I can, I can do that. I now have some free time this week because I just finished up my uh, uh, previous class, college algebra, and I'm moving into pre-cal within a week. So I'm pretty happy about that. Just like I said, today was, it was a pretty good day for me. Um, I got my hours back from work. Um, so that kind of opens up the opportunities for me. Um, I finished my class with a good grade and, uh, and I'm also, I'm making future plans. So definitely one. Yeah. Keep up the great work. Uh, mm-hmm. You'll get there eventually. You will. Mm-hmm. We're all on our way. I'll get there eventually too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in I my, mean, it's, it's funny because it's like, here I am, I'm seeing you and I feel like you're already there, you know? Um, I'm closer, man. I may be closer in certain ways than you are, just because I'm older. I'm like 31, and you're at 24 or something. So 25. <laughs> well, well, so it's like once you kind of get yourself up to a certain level, yeah. You're if you want to make the world better, you know, you can keep improving yourself. But a great way to make the world better is just start helping everyone around you, mm-hmm. and then the world gets better a lot quicker because everyone else is getting better too. So if you tune it, it's a big part of it is who you're listening to. And who you're surrounding yourself with. So, if you like the, if you feel like you're benefiting, you know, from me and the, and the podcast and stuff, then you know, just keep mm. it up. It'll get you there quicker than just yeah, watching, you know, you know, watching something dumb on YouTube, for example. I don't know. Yeah, no, I mean, honestly, this is the main reason why I do it. Basically, is because it gives me opportunity to meet interesting people, and I'm really thankful to to meet you, Nathan. And uh, honestly, yeah, after these couple of weeks, I think about a month or so um and communicating with you honestly is it's it's been an awesome ride and i've really enjoyed every conversation we had and it's been very inspiring to hear from you and the advice you had from me so um just being around you enjoying it too like you were saying you and like you're a creative person and this is just another example of a really great creative outlet and Mm -hmm. yeah i really enjoy it too so we'll, we'll we'll keep it up it'll be fun Definitely. Yeah. So like I mentioned, this is the week that I had free time. I definitely want to do another one soon. I'll let you, I'll uh, keep in touch with you and let you know when uh, we'll do it. Thanks for having me on again, Zane. Awesome. All right, you guys, thank you very much for tuning in and listening to Zane's Wacky Podcast with me and Nathan here. Uh, Hopefully next time we come onto the show, we'll have some uh, very interesting stuff for you guys like we had today. Thank you guys for listening and until next time.